Welcome everybody to the 19th episode of our study of Romans, uh, the study that we're conducting as life groups. Uh, we're currently in chapter 12 of Romans and in the last episode Ian took us through verses 1 and 2. Uh, this particular episode we're going to be looking at verses 3 to the end of the first part of verse 6. So we're not going to look at the whole of verse 6 but just to the end of the first part of verse 6, the first sentence we could say. So let's get straight into our study and let's just read this portion of scripture. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 through to the end of the first part of verse 6. And this is what we read. Therefore I exhort you brothers and sisters by the mercy of God to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may test and approve what is the will of God, what is good and well-pleasing and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think with sober discernment, as God has distributed to each of you a measure of faith. For just as in one body we have many members, and not all the members serve the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members who belong to one another. And we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. So this is the portion of scripture that we want to look at, and I pray that the Lord will bless our study as we look at these particular verses. In verse 1, Paul exhorts us as people upon whom God has, has had mercy to present our bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to Him, which he said is our reasonable service to God. And then he goes on in verses 3 through to verse 8 to talk about our service of the church and our service in the church. What does this tell us? Well, I believe that it tells us that when Paul talked about presenting our bodies to God, what he had in mind was us presenting ourselves to God for the purpose of serving His people. And this makes sense, doesn't it? Because how can we serve God without serving His people? The way we serve God is by serving His people. And so it is in this context of our service of God's people that Paul tells us in verse 2 not to conform to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. I think this is even more clear when we consider that verse 3 begins with the word for. And so what we can see is that this word for links verse 2 to verses 3 and uh, through to verse sorry verse 3 through to 8. You see the problem is that often when Christians commit themselves to serving the church they do so with some wrong perceptions about themselves and their relationship to the church. And so they often carry a lot of worldly baggage in terms of their thinking and perceptions into the, their service of God. And this can cause some serious problems in the church and even in the, lives, the spiritual lives of God's people as well. I'm sure that those of us who have been in the church for any prolonged period of time will have seen this happen far too often in the church. And we may have probably have even been harmed in some way or affected in some way by this in our own lives. You see, zeal for God can be harmful if it is misdirected or if it arises from a wrong understanding or a wrong perception of things or a wrong motive. 
And this is why as we present ourselves to God in service of His people, there is also a need for us to ensure that our understanding of the spiritual dynamics that are at work in the church is not shaped by the worldly, a worldly way of thinking, but by the Word of God. And this is what Paul is addressing in verses 3 to 8. So we're going to have a look at these verses, not all the way through to verse 8, but up to the end of, uh, well, the end of the first sentence in, in verse 6. And then we'll be looking at the other verses in the next episode. And what we're going to see is that these verses are really a call for humble and realistic thinking about oneself in relation to the rest of the church and our individual service of the church. And so this passage that we're looking at today, verses 3 to uh, verse the first part of verse 6, starts off with Paul saying this, and let me just read it to you. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think with sober discernment. And so he addresses right at the beginning of this passage, the way we perceive ourselves or think about ourselves. And we can see by as he carries on that this is specifically in relation to the way we perceive and think of ourselves in relationship to the church. You see, thinking of us more highly of ourselves than we should is something we're all prone to do, simply because we often have wrong perceptions about ourselves in relationship to others in the church. And Paul, realizing this, wrote these verses to help us renew our minds and gain a proper perspective in this matter. And so in these verses that we're looking at today, we're going to see that Paul points out four misconceptions that can cause us to think of ourselves more highly than we should. And so this is what we want to have a look at. Four misconceptions that may cause us to think more highly of ourselves than we should. The first one uh, is the failure to recognize that everyone has received, that's everyone in the church, has received a measure of faith from God with which to serve the church. We see this in verse 3. Let's just look at it again. Paul says there, I say to every one of you not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think with sober discernment. And then at the very end of verse 3, he writes this, as God has distributed to each of you a measure of faith. What is Paul talking about when he talks about this measure of faith? Is he talking about the fact that God has given each of us faith for salvation? Well, if we look in the light of what Paul is addressing here and in the subsequent verses, I believe that it is this the measure of faith that we need in order to fulfill our function of service as part of the body of Christ. We have all received a measure of faith so that we can serve the community of faith. And as Paul says here, no one has been excluded. There's no believer, no one that is a member of the body of Christ that has been excluded from receiving a measure of faith with which they can serve the church. And that means that we all have something to give. We all have something to offer in the church and in service of the church as a whole. Notice that Paul ascribes this, this fact that we all have received a measure of faith as the reason for us not to think more highly of ourselves than we should. This fact that God has given this measure of faith to everyone is meant to be a sobering truth for us. Paul, in writing to the church in Philippi, said this to them, and I just want to read it to you. It's from Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3. And it really ties in 
uh, with what he said here to the church in Rome. Very similar kind of message. This is what he said to the church in Philippi. And we read it in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. He said there, instead of being motivated by selfish ambition, and that's, there he's really talking about the desire to be recognized or the desire to be prominent. Um, he says, instead of being motivated by selfish ambition or vanity, each of you should in humility be moved to treat one another as more important than yourself. You see, we must view ourselves and the measure of faith that God has given us to serve the church in the understanding that everyone has something to contribute. We must never forget that part of the equation. We must never think that we are the only ones that have something to contribute. You see, while it's important that we do not demean or make light of what God has given us to serve the church, it is equally vital that we don't make more of it than it realistically warrants. And we can be so prone to doing that. We need to learn to appreciate what others have to bring to the table as well. And as a leader in the church, this really is something that we have to and, and I have to continually um, think about and, and take into account. You see, failure to recognize that everyone has received a measure of faith from God with which to serve the church is the first thing that can lead us to thinking more highly of ourselves than we should. Okay, so that's the first uh, misconception, um, misunderstanding of the dynamics at work in the church that can cause us to think more highly of ourselves than we should. The second one is found in verse 4, and it's this. It's the failure to understand the corporate nature of Christianity and our membership in the church. The failure to understand the corporate nature of Christianity and our membership in the church. For just as, uh, this is what we read in verse 4, for uh, just as in one body we have many members and not all the members serve the same function, uh, and verse 5, so we who are, are many are one body in Christ and individually we are members who belong one to, one to another. Paul likens here in these two verses, he likens the church to a body. We who are many individuals are one body, one entity, one uh, organism, one organization, one uh, thing. That is what the church is, one community we could say. Individually, we are members of a community of believers. We need to see ourselves in that light. We are members of a community and we belong to one another. That means we're not our own. That means we are obligated to one another, that we're obligated to serve one another. If we belong to one another, we're obligated to one another and we're obligated to serve one another. And I wonder whether we all see ourselves in that light, whether we see our membership and that the reality of our membership in the body of Christ is something that we really understand and appreciate. You see, while we are individuals, and there is an individual aspect to our faith, that's not where it ends. There is also a corporate aspect to our faith. When we were born again, we were born into a family. We were transferred, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, into the kingdom of God's dearly beloved Son. And we became a part of a community that is called the church. You see, our faith is 
not just about God and me. That's not what the Christian faith is about. It's not just about God and me. It's about God and me and the community of God's people of which He has made me a member and in which He has given me a specific and a definite function. I wonder if you view your faith and your relationship to God in that light. You see, from its very inception, Christianity has been a personal faith in Christ that is expressed and lived out in the context of a community of people who have the same faith. In other words, the church. In Acts chapter 2, we see that on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people believed the preaching of Peter, repented, and were baptized. What did they do as soon as they were saved? Well, we can see, and you could read this in your own time in Acts chapter 2, it says in verse 42 of that chapter that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And then it says in verse 44, all who believed were together and held everything in common. And then in verse 46, it says, Every day they continued to gather together by common consent in the temple courts and break and broke bread from house to house, shared their food with each other with glad and humble hearts. I think from those verses you can you can just sense the, you can see the sense of community that these early believers cherished under the headship of Christ, which was embodied and represented, embodied in and represented to them by the apostles. Do you see the devotion that they had towards each other? That is what true Christianity is. We cannot serve God in isolation. And we cannot become what God wants us to become if we live lives that are isolated from the community of faith. To think that we can is to think more highly of ourselves than we should. And yet, you know, So many Christians today just refuse to accept this truth, or maybe they're just not aware of it. They're ignorant to this truth. They say their faith is private and that it does not need any corporate outworking. Uh, They do not refuse, sorry, they they refuse, uh, do not want to acknowledge the need for them to be actively part of a community of believers. Uh, They do not realize that they're isolating themselves from something that God created them for, and that's for community, being a part of a community of faith. And in so doing, they're actually depriving not only themselves, but they're depriving God's people of what He has given to them to contribute towards the health and blessing of His people. And so this is the second misconception that can cause us to think more highly of ourselves than we should. It's the failure to understand the corporate nature of our faith, and our membership in the church. The third one that we see in this passage is the failure to appreciate the need for the different gifts in the church. In verse 6, Paul says, we have different gifts. You see, just like our human bodies have many different parts, and all those different parts are performing different functions, so it is with the church. We do not all have the same function. We all have different gifts and different functions and different measures of faith to perform those functions. Each part within the body of Christ is dependent in some way upon the working of all the other parts. And that means that every gift is needed. Paul devoted the whole of 1 Corinthians 12 to teaching about this truth. 
And I just want to read just a small portion of it today. I want to read from verses 17 to verse 23. So let's just read that, these few verses, verse 17 to 23. And this is what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church about this matter. He said this, If the whole body were an eye, what part, what, what part would do the hearing? If the whole were an ear, what part would exercise the sense of smell? But as a matter of fact, God has placed each of the members in the body just as He decided. If they were all the same member, where would the body be? So now there are many members but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you, nor in turn can the head say to the foot, I do not need you. On the contrary, those members that seem to be weaker are essential And those members we consider less honorable, we clothe with greater honor, and our unpresentable members are clothed with dignity. You see, every gift is needed in the body of Christ, no matter how small a role it may seem to play. We all need each other, no matter who we are, and we all need each other to be doing what God has created each of us in Christ Jesus to do. To think that we don't, That we don't need each other is to think more highly of ourselves than we should. So this is the third uh, area, misconception, uh, that can cause us to think more highly of ourselves than we should. It is the failure to recognize that we all have different gifts. The fourth and final one is the failure to remember that every gift is the result of God's grace. And that includes our own gifts, that every one of us, does, uh, has gifts, but they are a result of God's grace. In verse 3 of this chapter that we're looking at in this pas- the first verse of this passage, Paul starts out with these words. He says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you. He, he, he writes that phrase, For by the grace given to me. You see, Paul here was not talking about the grace that was given to him for salvation, uh, though it's not, it's not excluded. But he was specifically talking here about the grace that was given to him to enable him to serve God's people as an apostle. What was it that enabled Paul to serve the church in the way that he did? What enabled him to write this letter and all the other letters he wrote? Where did his apostolic authority come from? And what was it that made his ministry so powerful that it continues to save and transform people like you and me even 2,000 years after he lived? It was the grace that God gave him, the grace to be an apostle, the grace for this work that God uh, purposed to accomplish through him. Paul was only an apostle because God had chosen to give him the grace of apostleship. And you know, he knew this. He knew that he had done nothing to earn it. He knew that it was based solely on God's sovereign choice and purpose And that this grace was allocated to him before he was even born. It had nothing to do with anything that he had ever done. Listen to what he said about himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 9 to 10. Let me just read it to you from the the scriptures. This is what Paul wrote there. He said, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God I am what I am. Do you see that final sentence there? By the grace of God, I am what I am. Do you know that the same is true of us? Everything that we have is by grace, whether that's salvation 
or whether it's the gifts that God has given us to serve the church with. In Romans chapter 12, verse 6, look at what Paul writes here. He says, And we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. We have done nothing to earn them, and that means that we cannot boast about them or be proud about them, proud over them. We need to be careful that we do not fall into the same error as the Corinthians did. As individuals within the church, they had become proud because of their gifts. And Paul had to write these words that we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 to them. This is what he wrote to them. And you can hear the rebuke in these words that he wrote to them. And this is what he said. He said, What do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast as though you did not? God did not give each of us a gift so we could boast about it. He did not give it to us for us to use to advance our own personal causes. He gave it so we could serve others with it. And so we must be very careful that we don't think, that we don't speak or act in such a way as to take the credit for something that is purely by grace. If we do that, if we forget that everything that we have is by grace and is the result of grace and grace alone, what it will cause us to do is to think of ourselves more highly than we should. So as we come to the end of the study of these verses, let's just sum up what we've learned today. Firstly, in presenting ourselves to God, we are presenting ourselves to serve His people. Secondly, As we do so, we need to make sure that we do so with a correct understanding of the church and our relationship to the church and that we do not approach it with a worldly mindset, thinking of ourselves more highly than we should. And this means that we must never lose sight of the fact that every one of us has received a measure of faith from God. Even the person that we might consider to be the smallest, most insignificant member of the church has received a measure of faith from God and that we all have different gifts according to the grace that God has given so that we can perform the specific functions we've been assigned by God to perform as a part of the church. And we need to recognize each other's differing gifts and functions and we need to value them all not forgetting that there is a need for them all. We must always remember that we belong to one another and we need one another. And we mustn't forget that everything we have is the result of God's grace. As we finish today's study, why don't we as life groups just take a bit of time to consider and discuss, firstly, what might be hindering our participation as individuals in the community life of the church? What might be hindering our participation, your participation, as an individual in the community life of the church? Could it be the influence of the individualistic nature of Western culture? Could it be that we don't feel like we will gain any benefit by being a part of the community in a very real sense? Could it be that we feel vulnerable and uncomfortable around people and therefore We'd rather just stick to ourselves. Could it be that we're just too busy? Or could it be that we just don't know 
what we can do to serve the people of God. You know, it could be a number of those things. And so we, you can discuss that as a life group. Uh, these these uh, will come up on your screen once we have finished talking and you can just go through them and just consider these things. Why is it that so many people come to church, sit in church, and yet never really see themselves as a part of the community of faith? They, they may say that they are a part of the church just simply because they come and attend a Sunday service there, but they never really get integrated and involved and become involved in the life of the church and become involved with people, develop relationships with the people in the church. That's what we're considering here. Why does that not happen? What keeps us from being involved at that level? So you can consider those particular questions that I raised there. Then secondly, the, other, the next question we want to consider is what can be done to change the scenario so that we uh, we can do so, we can become a part of the church in this kind of way now that we can see from Scripture how necessary it is. Maybe it might be a, a need for us to repent of selfishness in our lives. Maybe the reason we never have given ourselves to become involved in the church is simply because we're selfish in our hearts. We're selfish about our time. We're selfish about uh, our interactions. Uh, maybe it's the fact that we need healing from past hurts and rejections and that we've received from people. And so, you know, that may be holding us back. And if that's the case, you know, so why don't you pray for each other that we might be healed from those uh, particular past hurts, that we might be delivered from their hold and influence over our lives. Or maybe it, you just need to think and pray about how you can serve the church. Maybe it's something you've not really ever thought about. And uh, maybe you might need to discuss it with others, maybe even with us as leaders, how you could possibly be getting, getting, get involved in serving the church. And so we, we're going to leave it there today and you as life groups can just uh, discuss this. I think there's a lot for us to discuss, a lot for us to think about. And in the next episode, we will look at verses, the second part of verse 6 through to verse 8. And we'll discuss some of the different ways that we can serve in the church. So until then, may God bless and keep you and may he really bless your discussions today. God bless.